Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. You are listening to a podcast by Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. If you enjoy Faith Over Breakfast, we encourage you to rate it on the Apple Podcast app, on Spotify, or Google Play. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Listen to Faith Over Breakfast with Eric Seepin and Andy Littleton. We're in Tucson, Arizona, and we're pastors of two local churches, and we like chatting with each other. That's right. Is this the intro now? Yeah, that's the intro. You said we've been listening. You're expecting that people have listened to multiple, and this is this yeah. is and this is just you're another about one to listen to. Sorry, <laughs> you've so, been listening to. So Eric Seepin, Village Church, Tucson, Arizona, the Village Community. If you Google it, Andy Littleton, Mission Church, Tucson, Arizona. That's me. But Thanks not for the mission. Not the mission. Yeah, no the. This is this is a major thing I need to clear <laughs> up right now before we get started, friends. There's not a the at the beginning of our church because the mission is old. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a place. It. It's a yeah, it's Father Kino and all that. The mission, uh, San Javier del Bach. No, we're just Mission Church. But people <laughs> like to put a the. They say, "How's it going at the mission?" Uh, like, the mission. Yeah. So, and I, I don't. I'm never snarky about no. it. Maybe people should just Outwardly. say a mission. How's it going at a mission church? <laughs> Let's just say mission, tr- mission church. <laughs> Mission Church. Anyway. Mission Church, oh my goodness. This introduction is about what our uh, podcast is like. There's a, We ramble on. Okay. Well, but, I mean, there. The, what you mean by that is we didn't come, come in with a topic, but I actually think it was, I found it interesting. I think others will too. I mean, reflecting on, I mean, there's, there's stuff about gender, sexuality, political identity, um, but the, the bigger... It starts with reflecting back on a conference for the church in which right. it felt like people assumed everybody was on the same page, but they weren't. And then we, we start getting into some of the, the cultural realities that we're in the midst of, maybe what people are really searching for in the midst of all that. I think it's actually a really, really great conversation. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoy Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Hey, hey Andy. We just had some recording problems. We're back. It's good to see you. You were late, but then... But then you were going to be positive. I was going to be positive. So So why don't you tell us about this new thing you're trying to do? Yeah. People have been wasting time at the village. Yeah, people have been wasting time at the village again. No. Just talking about how when you ask somebody how they're doing and the answer is not bad or not that bad, which is the most common answer, mm-hmm. negative or double negative, is a waste of time because you don't really know what that means. Yeah. And so we're encouraging our leaders and so whoever, whatever villagers listen to Faith Over Breakfast to begin to ask the question, what was the best thing that happened to you today or what was the best thing that happened to you this week? To give people the opportunity to begin to think about God's provision in their life and to change kind of... I think we're we're prone to ask negative questions mm. or answer negatively to that. And okay. and when we do say, Hey, not much happened that was good in my life today or this week, then you can say, Oh, well, what's going on? Yeah. Okay. And, and it's genuine. Like there's a genuine thing happen, you know, negativity that maybe or a hard thing that you need to so, look at. So I have a genuine negative that I feel strange about being negative and I've really been wrestling with more than I should this morning, Eric. What's that? So, my chosen favorite Cubs player, yes, just got sent down to AAA. Okay, and I am sad, like legitimately, <laughs> deeply sad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, 
why does this why is this such a thing like why and then here's the biggest thing so on the the post i saw that announced it mm-hmm. 180 comments all of them mostly like good bout time see you later like just mean 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 wow that's that's hard so yeah. you don't feel like this was a justified move. No, it's a totally justified move. But but you feel emotionally connected to this guy. This is what it is. Yeah. And I yeah, I've talked to several people about this. So mm. so Eric, I'm gonna give you a little bit of the background here. So last year the Chicago Cubs traded away three of their best players, including their first baseman, who is beloved in Chicago. Right. Anthony Rizzo. Abby's favorite. Gotcha. And and one of mine. He a gem. He had a back injury that was attempting to flare up they traded him to the yankees he was playing awesome but guess what now he is injured on the yankees anyway point is he was a nice guy he was on the team that won the world series and he he was the first baseman everybody loved him right they traded him away because you get money they brought up a dude uh from livingston new jersey named frank schwindel and everybody's like you know because he's replacing anthony rizzo so I started following baseball again mid last year. Yes. I knew who Anthony Rizzo was, but I wasn't really tracking. I started tracking right when Frank Schwindel came up. Gotcha. And a few other players. Right. And they were all the B team and Chicagoans were all mad that they were even there because right. they were replacing all their buddies. But I made it I made a little decision, very conscious one, where I said when I was a kid and I followed baseball, I picked the best players ever to be my favorites. Right. And some of them were just not good people. Right. And they were very big disappointments in that maybe they were amazing at baseball, but then they were on drugs and they all, and they beat their wives. And that's pretty much the story of the one I really liked. So I, th- I said to myself, I'm going to pick one of these B squatters and I'm going to like them and I'm going to be a fan of the underdog. So I picked Frank. Frank the Tank, they call him. Several things I like about him. He's a little goofy. Like he would almost like he hit a grand slam last year and it was like, he was shocked. Like you could see on his face. He was just like, what that did that just happen? It wasn't like this arrogant. It was just like, Oh, what? And he tends to give thumbs ups when he like, when he gets on base, like he'll slide into second and pop up and he gives a thumbs up and it's just, I don't know. It's kind of endearing. Yes. And then uh, a little bit of goofy, a little bit endearing. Yeah. And then I find out he's got a new baby he he when he right when he gotten sent over to the cubs he had just been he had come up to the major leagues for his first time and had been sent back down thought he maybe would never make it so he'd moved back in with his parents his or his wife's parents but his wife's parents live on the same street as his parents they're high school sweethearts they got a little baby okay it's a good story sweet story we went to a spring training game yeah he jumped for the ball at first base, and the guy clipped him underneath, took his legs out from under him, and he landed on his back. Oh. He has been having back problems all year because of that. Right. And he got sent down to AAA briefly, uh, and he was driving himself. He can't even get on a plane. Yeah, he's driving himself. Gets a flat tire on the side of the freeway. Oh, no. Yeah. And then they called him because another guy got hurt and called him back, and he, from what I hear ubered back left his car on the freeway just a guy you're like man it's been what, what a roller coaster for yeah. this dude anyway this morning sent back to AAA. so and i'm like this could be it you know he, right he may this may be the end of the road 
I'm, I'm sad for this dude. And yeah. then everybody's ripping him. Yeah. Yeah, but he also hasn't been, I mean. He hasn't been playing as well since I, he hurt his back, I'm assuming. I just, I was just at Wrigley Field. He, he couldn't get a hit. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. Yeah, that's, that's, back problems are big in baseball. Yeah, well, when you're yeah, you're trying to swing a bat at a hundred yeah. mile an hour ball. ball, you gotta you gotta have movement. Yes, there's a lot of yeah, a lot of rotating of the hips and. Okay, so so Eric, um, yeah, I got I got a great night of sleep, and uh, and that is such a minor piece of news in the world, but uh, it. But I am sad. But it shows you have a you have a soft heart, Andy. You, <laughs> you love you love people and their stories. I really do. And uh, you root for them, which makes you a good pastor. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. You didn't know the Faith Over Breakfast was a sports show in disguise, but it is. <laughs> yeah, all the village podcasts, Dudes, Foods, and Sports, Faith Over, it's all on one theme it's around here. It's all on theme around here. Village, the sports church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was, and I went to that. I went to two games, and one of them was with of uh, someone who was a villager about a week and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, good old Caleb. Hey, Caleb, if you're listening. Hey, Caleb. Um, it's so the crazy, so much fun. The Caleb. crazy thing so about fun. the village that people probably don't realize is it is kind of a sports church. We have tons of pickleball players. We have people oh, who do a lot of pickup basketball, sports, guns, and hunting th- at the village. That's those are like the three key. We have people who go fishing in Canada. Yeah. Um, we don't have we we have a few dove hunters, but hunting's not a big deal in our church. That was a joke. I yeah. Well, we we but met, it, but met then again. two of the three criteria. Okay. Um. There you go. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, that happened, Eric. That's uh. Thanks for asking. Yeah. So what's uh what's been the best thing in your uh? I'm gonna say day and a half because this day has only just begun. Oh well, yesterday was my day off, so that was uh that was good. That was really good. Uh, church, we had our biggest attendance this year. Whoa. On Sunday. What? So that was kind we of crazy. It we was, did not. We, it wasn't bad, we, but that wasn't our it experience. It was packed. The evening service was, there were no seats. Wow. Morning service was, you know, normal full. So, so that's, that always feels good. Yeah, uh, it was good. I mean, it was basically, most people are back, right? Oh, yeah. The, and then we had some like 14 or 15 visitors. <laughs> So it was monsters. Yeah. Yeah. It was big. Yeah. It was one of those opportunities, you know, moments when you could sit down next to somebody and be like, Hey, I'm new here. Who are you? Like, how long have you been here? And it's like, uh, today. Yeah. (laughs) So it was one of those days. Um, but yeah. Wow. It was, it was fun. That was, that was a big deal. But mostly I just got to spend time with my wife yesterday. Cool. That was the big highlight. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in to Faith Over Breakfast, yeah. everybody. Now you know how we're doing. Yeah, we we didn't text each other, so this is no. literally breakfast with Andy and Eric. Yeah, and here's what, I, and I had thrown out. Um, so we're both of our churches in differing ways are connected to a denomination. I was just at their conference, which um, inspired. Yeah, which inspired. before and after I went to Cubs games. <laughs> nice. It was, it was uh it was Chicago. The Cubs were in St. Louis on the way up, so I stopped, hung out with Caleb and my brother in law there for an afternoon. And then uh and then went over to Chicago and went to a Cubs game with some people from the conference at the end. But um but I was at a denominational conference and a group of folks we are connected to, which probably resembles some other groups out there. So anyway, what do you want to know about it, Eric? About the conference? Whatever. I, I don't know. Like I think what you and I were chatting about a little bit 
was maybe the state of how we talk about, um, well, really just sexuality, but, uh, I guess it was in, in what's happening in the Christian reformed church has already happened is there was this little move to, um, allow married, um, gay or lesbian, uh, individuals be on elder and deacon boards and how people were going to deal with gay marriage. And there's a whole other list of things that the denomination was trying to sort out. Well, the big thing, the, the probably core piece of what the denomination was trying to, what, what they defined was whether or not the words in the confessions that spoke about sexual relationships that are out of bounds according according to scripture applied to the LGBTQ um, conversation and the decision was they do apply. Yes. And so that at the end of the day, you know, the whole like, can they be elders deep? That wasn't so much the conversation. It was like, if, if these are out of bounds biblically, then that defines it takes it. It clarifies. Yeah, and so that was the. Like it was sort of instigated by that. It was instigated by a church ordaining. Yeah, or ordaining someone in a not only with with feelings, but in a in a committed yes, in a committed relationship. relationship. Yeah. So so that actually that so and can I just inter- go ahead? You 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 say what you're going. Oh, say. I was just going to say like that that didn't. That was a subtle thing that was there. The interesting thing is this is the first event after that had happened. It was right. planned by people who didn't know if it was going to happen or not. And here was the the interesting thing was there were a lot of assumptions from the stage. First of all, a lot of the leaders actually weren't, a lot of the speakers and stuff weren't CRC folks. So Christian Reformed Church is the denomination we're talking about. A lot of the, the people speaking were from various, there were Anglicans or others. But there was a general sense from the front that everybody was on the same page. And from just little experiences, I was actually kind of bouncing all over trying to meet people and stuff. But it was just clear to me they they were misreading the room. Right. And and another thing was in there were a lot of people who this conference is meant to like bring the whole church together. And it felt like a lot of people just didn't bother to come. And I wonder if it's because they didn't feel like they would really be like in a space that was attentive to them. But one moment was there was a guy actually African dude from, I think he was an Anglican guy. He made some comment about Trump and actually a Hispanic man next to me who I didn't know just kind of like looked over at me and said, well, I was doing a lot better when Trump is in office. I don't know what, what he knows about it. So, I, you know, right. here's a, Here's a man of color next to me who feels differently than this man of color assumed he would. Right. He assumed everybody in the room was on the same page. Right. And then there were like, there were subtle comments throughout from people like, um, little things of like, well, if you feel like you're going to be looked out from the, for in the denomination, obviously from what we've seen lately, that's not going to happen. But there were people in the room who were like, there was a young person who had been at Synod who actually thought the outcome of Synod was excellent. Right. And, but the assumption, this guy who was speaking with, was that everybody was on the same page. Right. Um, that stuck out to me, I thought. And, and there was a Gospel Coalition article that came out about our Synod, and they said one of the most surprising things was that younger people were, in a very nuanced way, didn't didn't 
fall everybody the trajectory was we got to do this for the young people for the next generation we got to change and the young people were the ones that were like please don't right i think i think christian leaders at this point are starting to try to lump uh younger generations into one mindset which is never it's never good and i actually think as we progress more and more with the internet it's less and less you're less and less cable capable of pigeonholing a, a yeah. group of people because of how diverse they are and how tribal they've become. You can maybe drill down and find a tribe and say, this tribe is this way and you have some accuracy, but I don't think you can. Speaking of tribes, one of the young guys who is with me from our church, um, actually has native descent is, is of native descent and the, the land acknowledgement that was made at the beginning, was a very irksome to him. Uh, he felt like it was strange, yeah, and not it, like honest. And so that those sort of things, yeah, came. yeah, they they come off weird. Come uh, off weird. They do, and and very. I think my other buddy who was there just said it felt like a performance. Right. Yeah. Well, I feel like. What's happening to our younger generation is that the there is a set of older, actually, activists who are, in a sense, revolution, revo- make, making them revolutionaries and, and really trying to get them riled up and angry. And so you have that set of people. And then you have another set in, who are younger who are like, uh, we need some mooring. Like, so there's this un, uh-huh. unmooring and then there's the, the ones who are like, Where, we can't do that. We can't swim around with our friends who seem like they just have no set of values, no foundation. They're all over the place. Yeah. Um, so, so you've been in the, in the, you've been on the edges of the church the whole time you've been a part of the Christian church, right? Yes. I, I would and, say at least once I hit high school. Yeah. Yeah. Like you've been working with people who are less in, in the middle of the establishment. Yes, yeah. Uh, is this, is this something you just see on repeat? Does this keep happening or is there anything new here? And what, what would, what would you, how would you speak into all that? Well, I think the thing that's new and terrifying to me is, um, I think that sexuality and has, has just gone insane. Not, mm-hmm. are, are not like, uh, not the like sexuality and like people are sleeping together and doing not that, like that's been happening since the beginning of time. Yeah. Like, you know, fornication and all that. That's I have another, remind me of another thing I read. You asked me if I'd been reading the news. I said, no, but apparently I yeah, read yeah. some stuff. But yeah. I, I just think that, that, you know, the increase in women's gen- gender transition has exploded. And that's just unexpected. Like, yeah. you know, and sometimes at, in the, the younger generation, those who are in high school right now, basically, Sometimes 30%. Yeah, my daughter being in a right now in a religious school is talking about seeing a ton of that. That's that's a big topic in her world and in a in yeah. a school that purports to be the safe space where you don't not, right. no but that's not how it's framed but I'm saying that people send their kids ex- to, yeah. people send their kids to a school like this to get traditionalism. Yeah. And it's but it's not Right, the case, because yeah. the kids who are coming are affected by the culture. Yep, and and that has, yeah, it has to be dealt with. Yeah, no, I mean, it, and I don't think the church is prepared for it. No, it's really not. 
Um, and we've talked about that before, but so yeah, it's, it's sometimes I just sit and go, Oh my gosh, I don't, what this is, this is a lot to try to take in and, and walk with people in. Yeah. Um, you know, cause the temptation is to just say, well, this is how it is. And the, how porous do you want your walls of your church? Mm-hmm. What I would say is, you know, sometimes what I'm seeing and is as a parent, people are like, okay, so I need, I mean, I really do need to protect my children. And I think that's true. This culture has really uh, seductive ways of drawing them in. And so you need to protect them. That might mean homeschool. That might mean Christian school. That might mean a a lot of research for a public school. Um, But what's happening is as parents insulate and then they go to church, they think, oh, well, church is the place where we'll even be more insulated. And it's turning, if you have a missional church, that means your walls are porous and the way you mm-hmm. involve yourself with those who are the outcast in a yeah. sense in culture and or in just the way that they experience themselves. Uh, you're now all of a sudden your church is not the safe place. The church is where you're trying, you got to explain things to your yeah. kids. Yeah. And, and if you, if you really believe in what Jesus has called us to, to, to worship God and have doors that are open that people can engage and see God worshiped and be, and participate with Jesus and, and learn about him, then you're going to have a very unsafe space at some level. And I, you know, there have been times where I've doubted, is that how, how it's supposed to be? Or is church supposed to be the safe space? And one of the most instructive things has just been thinking about and reading the gospels and seeing what it was like to be a disciple of Jesus. Right. Like the people that flocked around and followed him around and intermixed with the disciples it was a hot mess. Yeah. And Jesus didn't seem afraid of that. Like, you know, it was that that whole process was part of deciding to follow him right. and hearing the gospel and, and seeing the power it could have and also watching people who would walk away. He right. didn't hide everybody from all that complexity. No. And I think, you know, his in Matthew, the quote from Micah, like, I didn't come for the, the yeah. those who aren't sick. I came for the sick. Yeah. Healthy don't need a doctor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, go, go study what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Yes. Yes. Like, I, I think that whole concept is what Jesus is about. But then you look at the temple. This is not something that's pre, you know, Jesus just pops up and that's a right. new idea. The temple has a court for the Gentiles. There the, is the a second temple did. Yeah. Yes. And it allows for them to, to see the yep. worship of God yep. and for the con- converts. So yeah, it's interesting that the second temple has that. And you could argue that the first temple, the community was much, was much smaller. So just all the, the, the gathering around this, the, the, everybody saw, heard, smelled the worship. Yeah. Um, and then in the second temple, there's a court for, for Gentiles yeah. to observe. And part of why Jesus is so angry at the money changers is because they're taking up that space for the observers with their sales booths. Right. Um, yeah. And, and essentially that, that was like a, a backhanded way of not letting them be there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, the, the other interesting, just on sexuality, I don't want to forget this. An article came out about, um, Southern evangelicals or, or people who would, who would check the box. I am a Christian in the South. Mm hmm. And an interesting phenomenon has occurred. Number one, a lot of them um, have quit going to church. 
a lot of people who are saying I'm a dedicated born again Christian have stopped going to church. There's a there's a large amount, and they, and when they stop going to church, they become more they they don't shed their distinctives as being conservative. Those distinctives actually like get bigger. Mm-hmm. They they as they stop going to church, they feel more conservative, and especially on a couple topics that can be linked to religion. But the, but the one that was very interesting is that sexuality among that group, their views on sexuality have diverged from the church in the other direction. Many of those who say, I am a Christian, especially in the South, this is where they studied this, who have stopped going to church, have also said sex, with, sex outside of marriage is totally normal, and, and homosexuality isn't a big deal is fine. Like mm. the, the numbers ratcheted up by like 10, 15% or something. If I can't remember exactly, I don't have it in front of me, but enough but to, to be a statistical significant number, a very significant statistical number. And so it's, it's interesting that in that, in that group, even they would say we're anti-abortion, but you know, when it comes to who you have sex with, doesn't matter. Interesting. That's that's a very interesting change. Yeah. And and, uh, and and that's especially pronounced among the ones who, and they said that's not they they just don't go to church. They are reporting acro- almost across the board that they don't trust any institution anymore except for one, the military. Well, that's the only one they trust. Interesting. That is really interesting. Well, I just want to pause here and take a moment and say, wow, Andy, you're becoming me. You're the man with the studies and the stats. And what has happened here? People, know. things have changed. Like, I've got no studies and no data today. Well, I don't know the data exactly. I'm pointing, I'm telling you there's an article you can go Google and find right. that has the actual numbers. That's just about where I'm at with okay. my data. Okay. I read it. Yeah. I've forgotten it. Yeah. Except for its main I, point. I remember the points, not the yeah. exact number, but it was no, that's that the, was an interesting and significant. I, and I feel like I have. I mean, we're not quite in the south, but I feel like I've caught that mm. that sense as well. From yeah. there, there are a number of. I mean, my my daughter's school. It's probably kind of. Well, this isn't coming. There, they they discovered most people who had covenanted that they were part of a church, uh-huh. members of a church, weren't going. So they, this school year, have had to make a real push to like for people to show that they actually indeed like have churches and uh-huh. can have somebody vouch that they do because they have to say they do. Right. And um, and my daughter, I, I was like, how many of your friends at school go to church? And she's like, uh, not very many. So here, you know, in our situation you know, right here in Tucson and that's, and it's a more conservative space. And so it's like, most people aren't not going to church. Um, yeah, it's an interesting. It is. Uh, yeah. Thing. It is interesting. And uh, what, and where is it leading? Yeah. I don't Yeah. I mean, are, are we going to end up in a place where we're re evangelizing those who've left? Well, I, so yeah, I mean, I know of people that are working on, on, essentially the type of materials that are made to help like people who have been drawn into Jehovah's witness and Mormonism help them like see, cause, cause when you're in a cult is more confusing than just atheism mm-hmm. because it, it feels like Christianity. It's, it's Christianity with a couple of major tweaks, which makes it extra confusing. 
right. but, but people are working on that for these folks hmm. on those type of materials. It's nece- It's like a, that the necessity is becoming clear. Yeah. So I, I think the question really that we have to wrestle with is what do we do? Yeah. I mean, and I think the majority of people that I am talking with and, and I'm a pastor of like at this point, they have little kids. Right. Or kids who are, you know, 10 to 14. Um, and so they're trying to figure out how you live in this world that is constantly offering a mess, like trying to make um, what you and I would have said 10, 15 years ago even is an alternative lifestyle. Uh-huh. Um, really trying to turn, you know, a normal lifestyle, a, a family, husband, wife, right. kids as the alternative in a sense. Um, and so it's just subtle in all these different places, you know, it's subtle on Disney It's subtle on sure. And it's trying to get us used to things and, and be okay with things. And then, you know, there's just this whole push to, to, to embrace sort of this fluidness of gender that it's scary to me. I mean, it's really terrifying that we are undermining. Yeah, no, it, it, it. It is, and I don't think it's just gender. I think it's, I think it's when when things, and this is speaking as as a believer, when things that are foundational. Um, I mean, I, I we would say as Christians that all institutions are based off the pattern of the family, right? That that God, and and that's and what that means is that God founded an institution that was to grow and from which other institutions were to pattern themselves. And that was the family. Um, and, and when we see good institutions operating, like you look at the, why, why people tend to like the pattern that was built in the United States of America, checks and balances. you got the house, you got the Senate that resembles a marriage. Um, you know, it, it does, it resembles like two authority figures who have to defer to one another. And, um, anyway, and, and that's what people, you know, instinctively we go, that's how it should be. So when you see laws come in that undermine that and make, make weird ways you can sneak around it, you go, that's not good. That's not good for us. Well, as Christians, we're, we're looking at the family and going, if you cannibalize that, the others follow. Right. Right. So anyway, it is concerning. So I'm not trying to undermine, I, I agree with you. An interesting thing that I am seeing, cause I, I hear what you're saying, like the fear. And I think there are a lot of other people I know who are like, this is worrying me. Interestingly though, in my context, and I don't know about yours, we are seeing a ton of people, I have a list right now of people who are not Christians or who are brand new to the area who are like, I want to learn more about this. I'm like, the world feels crazy. They're saying the world feels crazy. Yes. They're looking for the anchor. Yes. And they're like, can I look into Christianity? It feels like the people on the outside who, who feel that sense are actually looking for the stability for the anchor. And a lot of the people with who have been within the church are looking for the freedom that these other folks ran after 20 years ago. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. So it's almost like sometimes we, we talk about how we're afraid for the culture. I'm almost more afraid for the long time evangelical box checking people who, who are, they think they're going to go out and do a solo mission with Jesus or the 
you know, whatever group of Christians, they're like, I identify with a group of Christians online. I don't like these institutional yeah. churches. Yeah. But I am. I worry more about them sometimes than the, the straight up secularists because the secularists seem to be actually looking for a mooring. It, they seem to be on the pendulum swing the other direction. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, and I would agree with that. I think internally, um, the the narrative in the church is you know twenty years behind a lot, yeah. so we're kind of catching up on that. But I think that, and I don't, I guess, I, when I say I use terrifying, afraid, I'm not a terrified or afraid. It is disturbing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that's more disturbing than anything is that this is not a, a this the whole gender sexuality thing and all that is not an attack necessarily on men. It's an attack on women, and in particular, it's targeted at young teenagers. Yeah. And who have what we would call social contagion, right? That's because you have who are the people who are most transformed by Instagram, right? And right, and right. the internet and that kind of conversation because our culture is mostly messaging to women. Yeah. This is what makes you valuable. This is what's going to get you attention. This is what you should look like. This is what you should be. Um, and teenage and there are a lot of different versions of that message. Yes, and teenage yeah. girls are the ones who are most susceptible to it. Because right. they're the ones who have the most kind of uh, their image, their image is talked about most in our culture, and so it's it really is disturbing to me that that's who we're targeting, and that's that, and so as a pastor, and as you know, just thinking about the Christian community, I, I feel like we're called to say no, 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 like to protect women and to try to change the messaging, um, and to stand up because I actually think women. Uh, it's weird. They fought so hard for certain rights in our uh, culture, and I think it's being all reversed and taken away, but not in a way that that's almost violent and abusive and manipulative. It's interesting because, so I'm going to take the version that, I mean, you could talk about in the LGBTQ world, right? There's that, but, or or in that conversation. Or the transgender, or whatever, or the, yeah. But another one that I've noticed, because uh, a guy that I, have known from you know younger when he was young has become kind of famous on on social media for interviewing people with fancy cars okay and one of the when you you're something that's jumped out on me at me seeing this because is that a lot of the there have been a number of women who he's he's asked how they got their fancy car and they're in some form of porn right or whatever, but the it used to be that you kind of kept that quiet and tried to live this other yes. life. And they're they're just announcing on a large social media channel that that's what that's they what do. they do. And and they're and it almost is like they've got their you know their Joel Osteen best life now by doing right. it. And it's that was that was surprising to me because I was like, this is the stuff that like used to be like the women's movement was trying to get women out of that. And now it's like, that's upward mobility. Like that's, that's your path to, mm-hmm. you know, to the, sure. the image of the life you want. And I actually think that's a very similar parallel to the whole, like to the other conversation, which is like, here's your path is, is, don't you know you don't feel feminine don't be feminine like that sort of they're they're different paths to the same outcome and i've heard some i've been in some conversations in the business community like private conversations where women leaders have said it feels like everything we fought for that women could be women 
is just being completely unraveled because now a woman doesn't even exist. Right. Um, the concept's just a construct. construct, yes. And they're like, what were we even fighting for? You know, it'd be, I think I could imagine like if Martin Luther King Jr. could come back and somebody told him being black isn't even a thing. It doesn't even exist. And he going, no, it does. Like that's what fueled my work. (laughs) Um, Right, right. We didn't fight to just hold on to a social construct. Right. We fought for rights for people with a unique cultural identity who were being mistreated. Yeah. So we could be ourselves, like our created selves. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a it's it's really I think that conversation is a little bit disturbing because I think the way the church wants to respond is just to say, well, wrong. And or well, that or what I experienced at the yeah. I, at the conference is there's people who want to just say wrong or right. and there's other people who just go, yeah, totally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, basically like the Bible doesn't offer any compelling alternative here. It's just culture. You figured it out. There's no, it's all constructs. It's just right. Be, you be you. Yeah. And, and I think we haven't learned to disciple people in a way that has nuance and foundation. Right. I think we're either without nuance yeah. or just only nuance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and surfacy. Like there is a, we don't know how to walk patiently you think about even just Jesus walking after he raises from the dead and the road of, to Emmaus, like the long walk. Right. And he explained the entire Old Testament. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't like a fight. We read it in 30 seconds or whatever, a minute. That was a, that was a, I think it's like seven miles. I think I yeah. don't remember the distance, but it's, it's not a short walk. Was, that they're making. If it's seven miles and they, and they're wearing uh, non modern shoes, you're talking a few hours. Yeah. It's, it's at like, least. Yeah. And, yeah. and and so I think just as that as an example of like, oh, it, things take time and you have to be patient. Yeah. Um, but you do also have to explain the whole Bible. Like, yeah. There, right. There has to be, it's about this book and Jesus' revelation in that book. Mm-hmm. And, and it actually speaks to far more of these things. Everything. Yeah. And lest we, I, I feel like we accidentally just painted that or I did as being like what you know, quote unquote liberals do, but it's not because an article came out about Steve Bannon that he uh, essentially, he realized the power. Well, that that was this on our last podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Of like the people who want to be heroes in video games and, and you can take that and channel it really toward anything you want. He realized. And that, that in a way is a very similar conversation of like, you forget, forget all the, the constraints and the constructs. Just be who you, just you be you. You want to, you want to, you know, you want to be a warrior, you know, show up at the Capitol. Yeah. You're a warrior. Yeah. Boom. New identity. Yes. And it's a, and it's not an identity that comes from scripture. Yeah. And they're, I mean, I think both sides are trying to create revolutionaries. Revolutionaries with new identities. Yep. Yep. That's what they're trying to do. Give them power because you have power there. You have meaning. Yep. And we, and I think that is part of what's happened in this culture is the more you disintegrate the family, the less power and meaning in a sense you have, the sense of purpose, sense of identity all get stripped from you. Yeah. And so, you know, we start in the boomer generation at the back end and we're just divorced, divorced. We, so we have, we now live in a divorced society mm-hmm. where children don't have a family. 
And you and I know that as pastors because we sit and we listen to people's stories, oh, right? We do. And, and it's and it, so and it, hard. And it like always comes back to, I just, I just, a friend just the other day, just referencing the longing he had to experience something with his parent. Yep. That never came. Yep. And, and how his whole life's been impacted by that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, seeking for what you didn't have of having yeah. a having a having a set of parents who looked at you and said, "We love you. This yeah. is who you are." Well, everybody needs to know that they're, and it's impossible for a human being to give this, but they can give it to some degree that you're unconditionally loved, and yeah. families produce that for people. Yeah, then that you're worthwhile. Yeah, that that you're you're willing to, people to go out of their way for you. Yeah, right. and that you've got impact. That's these are this is what we need, and families and, give it to you. And families are also places where you can be restored yeah. when you fail, mm-hmm. where where you can always come home because you're loved, right, and you're safe, and and not that you're perfect, right, and not that there isn't consequences, yeah, but yeah, restoration is is always an option in a family that offers those things. That's what we want. I mean, when I think about being a pastor, uh, that's what I, I'm hoping. I, I look at the children of my community and I'm saying, this, this church is for you. Yeah. It's actually not for your parents. Yeah. I mean, they're growing and they're, but the, you like producing really good families that offer these things. Your guys are going to change the world. Yeah. And, and I see it. I see it in the kids of my community. Yeah. They're going to change the world. Yeah. Yeah. You've got some, I mean, just from the few I know, some, some really unique and cool kids. Oh, coming thanks. up. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, I don't have much more to say. We we if, if anybody can figure it out, we jumped into this one without even texting each other. Well, it's the true breakfast conversation. It was, yeah. This was this was the true breakfast conversation. Yeah, I mean, what people are missing in a true breakfast conversation is I would have been like, "Hey, how's this person doing?" or what do you think about this thing that Which can't we'll, be said on air? We'll so. do when the microphone goes off. Yeah, as so soon as the trust microphone. Trust it happens. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> it's just that uh, we just can't record the right. whole thing. But uh, yeah. Well, anyway, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. It's yeah. probably a little bit of a shorter one, but that's fine. And uh, And as we tend to say, I think we forgot to say at the end of the last one is you can always email us your questions, faithoverbreakfast at gmail.com. I believe I have even heard verbally from some of you that you have them, just haven't emailed it yet. So send us something. Give us that, um, you know, give us that idea. It gives of yours. us some great questions yep. to answer. Yep. And yep. it's uh, fun. And and also, if you rate our our podcast, it gets out to more people. Yeah, so I know. you like it, give that us... we only have 22 ratings, which, by the way, thank you, 22 people, yeah, for rating our, our I'm, podcast. I'm thrilled by that. I still. You know, I'm still kind of like, who who wants to listen to us ramble? But hey, thank you to everyone who does. It means I, a lot. That's I, why I we found do. Uh, some podcast rating thing. I was looking at the top 300 pastor podcasts. <laughs> or no, not just podcasts and uh-huh. then religious podcasts. And then I typed in top uh, 20 uh, pastor podcasts. Uh-huh. And ours is like somewhere like number 16 or something Whoa. like that. So if you get it narrowed down to pastors in the world in the world we're we're doing pretty good i mean okay i think uh there's some other people a little bit more famous there's the, yeah there sure are That's and fine. i don't even think i don't want to i don't want to be them <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I'll take number twenty and, yeah. and not deal with the fame if that's okay. Yeah. 
So, all right. Well, anyway, yeah, ra- rating us is great. And yes. send your questions. Get us up to 30 ratings. Yeah. Oh, got a, we got a benchmark. Yeah. All right. So thanks. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> See you next week. You've been- You've been listening to Faith Over Breakfast with Pastor Eric Seepin and Pastor Andy Littleton. Please share us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you. <laughs>